and I didn't know it. <laughs> no worries. Really, I, I lost track of what was going on, and I didn't remember that we were doing only one song. But there we are. So if you're online, go ahead and laugh at me. I know you know me, and you know that this doesn't surprise you that I did this. So here we are in this brand new series. It's called The Bad Boys of Easter. Attention, First Press. We interrupt your regularly scheduled sermon for this breaking news. Today, at noon, you can sign up your children for VBS 2024 the best week of your child's summer. Today, the link will be open for you to register your child on our website. Now we know that sharing is caring, but I'm asking that you do not share the VBS registration link to all your friends until tomorrow, Monday, March 4th, when it opens to the public. Not only can you register your child for VBS today at noon, but you can register to volunteer. We need 30 volunteers to make VBS a success. So please join the fun. It is not only the best week of their summer, but it'll change your life too. Now, back to your regularly scheduled sermon. Thank you. Yes, I did know that was coming. <laughs> so here's what I wanna remind you, cause some of you are slackers. It's gonna sell out tomorrow. You with me? It's going, listen carefully, look at me online now. It will sell out tomorrow. If you want your kid in there, go do it. It goes live at noon today. We waited until noon because I wanted you to listen to me instead of going now to do it. <laughs> so what, what's happened is it's just become such a great thing. And so it really will sell out tomorrow. And so uh, that's why Rachel's playfully asking you to let the folks who are part of the life of the church, let them get there first. And there will be other spots. So that's that. The other thing, while we're at it, while we're interrupting the sermon with other business matters, we have a family business meeting that's going to happen right after this worship service. We call it a congregational meeting. And so what I'm inviting you to do is stay in here. It'll take about 12 minutes to have the meeting. And here's what's going to happen in the meeting. Two pieces of business. The first piece of business is we're going to nominate and I presume elect three people to become a part of the elder nominating committee for the elder class of 2027. In Presbyterianism, lowercase p, we have representative democracy. And so we have a, a session, which is 12 people, men and women, who are the elders, the leaders of the church, and I am the 13th. And the 13 of us are the ones that make all the major decisions, and you elect them. So what you're going to do is elect a group of people to nominate to you later on this year the people who become members of the board. Make sense? So that's one piece of business we're doing. The other one is very personal to me because unusually in Presbyterianism, the pastor's salary and other ingredients have to be approved by you and you have to vote yay or nay on it. So what's going to happen is after we elect the elder nominating committee for the elder class of 2027, you're going to be, it's going to be made a motion to you that you give me a 3.5% raise. <laughs> <laughs> so let's put it this way. I want the raise. <laughs> the other thing I want you to know is everybody else on the staff already, it's March. They already have their three and a half percent raise. It's the only one that didn't get it yet is me. So come on, give me the raise. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> ah, where were we? 
Let's go back to the slide that says bad boys of Easter. There it is. And I can't see the time of day. I'm sorry for saying that out loud, but I really need to be able to see it so I don't go too long this morning. It's not a chance that I'll go short. (laughs) Here's what I want you to know. We're going to kick around today and three more Sundays, bad boys of Easter. This morning, we're going to talk really bad about a guy named Caiaphas. He was a high priest. We're going to talk next week about the Roman governor at the time of Jesus, the person, the prefect who was in charge of all matters in Israel. His name, Pilate. You may know Pontius Pilate. That's who that is. On the third week, we're going to talk about the guy on the cross that was chirping and talking trash to Jesus. And on the fourth week, Kathy's going to talk about Judas. You remember him? The dude that betrayed Jesus, kissed him on the cheek that led to identifying him so he could be arrested bad boys of Easter. That's what we're going to do. And remember, Easter is March 31st, four weeks from today. And so we have this season that happens. Liturgical Christians call it Lent, L-E-N-T. And it's, it's the, the period of time up to the crucifixion and resurrection where we are invited to pause and think carefully about why in the world did we need a cross in the first place? What went wrong? Why is it that there is a death? Now, we have a resurrection. We know the outcome. It's one of the ways that I can and we can face difficulty and hardship. It, the, the, the songs of the sufficiency that we just sang about, just if you want to take notes, I recommend to you that you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient. That is the text that inspired that song. I'm going to repeat it. I don't see many enough of you writing. <laughs> Second Corinthians, Paul wrote to this Christians in the city of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Let me understand, you, you need to understand, those people were getting their teeth kicked in by being Jesus followers, as was Paul himself. And so relying on the sufficiency of the king of the universe, when lots of evidence to the contrary in our ordinary lives, That's what we sang and celebrated. That's the text. You go and work on it on your own on the side. Anyway, back to bad boys. We're going to look at these bad boys, and today we're going to look at a bad boy named Caiaphas. And you will agree with me by the time I finish that he was a bad, bad boy. But here's here's the sobering thing that I want to try to bring to your attention. And this comes right up into your life and my life right now today. And here it is. This is a, a word about kind of a theme for the way we can think about what we're going to do this morning. Jesus followers. I'm speaking directly to us as Jesus followers. Here is the truth. Here is one of the reasons we have to have a good Friday which is a bad Friday, but becomes a good Friday so we can have a Sunday. We frequently, regularly, I frequently, regularly resist the God who I say I trust. Makes me a bad boy. Jesus followers, I'm talking to people who are clear right now. If you are clear that you are a follower of Jesus, then one of the things that you're being invited to do is say to God, I resist you. One of the words that gets used in the Bible, metanaeo, that's the verb form, means to change my mind. Or in English, oftentimes in the translations, it's repent. So you're being invited to think carefully about this theme, this suggestion, that you and I resist the God that we say we trust. 
If you aren't a Jesus follower, and what I mean by that, if you're not certain that that's what your life is about, then this is what I want to say to you, two things. I want to say, yes, we who are Jesus followers, you could say that we're hypocrites, but t- 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 go easy on me. <laughs> and it's, not, it's, it's hard to stay surrendered. And if you're not clear that you're a Jesus follower, here's what I also want you to know. Just as you are, that's how God loves us. You don't have to be different. You don't have to change. You don't have to start to act right. You just show up just as you are. The same thing for me. I am a Jesus follower. I show up just as I am, and I am loved just as I am. And as Brandon sang a few minutes ago, God is not finished with me yet. And God ain't finished with you yet. So Jesus follower, or maybe you're a little searching. You're, I hope that you're here, some of you are here and you're searching. And I want to remind you of one other thing. If you're not really sure about it, if someone invited you here, they want something for you. They don't want something from you. You got invited because you're cared about. And Jesus loves you and he loves me just as you are, a Jesus follower or not. But the theme that we want to be honest about, if we want to really be able to be people who think about the meaning of the Good Friday, which is a bad Friday, but it becomes good because you and I then have freedom to be made over again new with the power of the resurrection. So we're going to be honest and we're going to say, yes, I resist God and I, I'm not happy about it. The human condition that this is the case for us, it's complex, and there's a sense in which it's tragic because it just doesn't seem to be any way out. I don't seem to be able to not resist God. I don't know about you, but I, even when it's going great, I still end up resisting God. I do. It's just the nature of being a human being. But just as we are, Jesus Christ loves us. This is not bad news, and this is certainly not condemnation. We're not, nobody's getting condemned here. We're being loved. We're being loved into the certainty and confidence that God takes us just the way we are and we can be honest with God and you know what God's gonna do? Hug us. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And brush us off a little bit if we've fallen down and gotten messed up a little bit and help us become more who God wants us to be. This is really, really good news. (sighs) Take a big sigh of relief. Because if this is true about you, and it, I think it must be, then welcome aboard. It's a family of people who are loved back into trust. And then I'll resist again, and then I'll be loved back into it again. It's just the way it is in a life of faith. I tend to want to trust in me. <laughs> I don't recommend that you spend a lot of time building your life on trusting in me. But my hunch is you probably trust in you too. That's probably your default. It is me. Subtle, I've suggested it's complex. And I don't know that I've created tragedy, but there is tragedy in our world. And it's always because human beings choose to trust self, not surrender control, not trust that God is sufficient as we have sung. And the next thing you know, we mess things up and there's always, always, always relational vandalism. That's what ends up happening. People hurt people. So that's the truth. But it's, it's, it's good news because we are loved the way we are and God's going to make us over again in new people. And no one should feel condemned. Instead, we should feel loved. I want us all to get used to the idea of learning to live loved. 
That's what's going on here. So that's a long way of saying, hey, sit down on top of this idea, this theme, this business about I, I resist the God who, God who I say that I trust. And what we're going to do now is we're going to see how Caiaphas does it. You with me? This guy, Caiaphas. So Caiaphas is a bad dude. A little bit of a backstory about Caiaphas. And that we're going to passage we're going to read it's in John's gospel. Here's what happens: Jesus has a best friend. Many many scholars think Jesus' best friend is a guy named Lazarus. Guy, there's lots of Marys in the Bible, and Mary, one of the Marys, is Lazarus's sister. And here's what happens: Lazarus gets sick and he dies, and Jesus is nowhere near. They send messages to him: "Come, your friend Lazarus, he's sick." But Jesus is busy doing something somewhere else. But people are at the house grieving with the family. He's been put in a tomb. It says he's a, a, a rock-hewn tomb with a stone rolled over the front of it. And that's where Lazarus is. And he's been there three or four days. And Jesus comes to the tomb, tells them to move the stone out of the way. And he says, Lazarus, my brother, rise. And out he comes. A, a powerful miracle. The power of the creator who made the universe has now made a person who was dead alive again. That's in John chapter 11 up until where we're going to read right now, verse 45. So in, in John chapter 11, verse 45, here's what happens next. So let's read it together. I want to read through it and then make sure that we understand a couple of salient features. So therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did. Remember, he raised Lazarus back to life. He was dead. Many of they, they, the Jews came and believed in Jesus, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. There was one other feature I wanted to say. Let me interrupt myself. All of this happens in a little town called Bethany. And if you've been there, Bethany is about a mile by the crow from the temple. The big, huge, gigantic 35-acre site, which is where the Jewish temple was, where the Pharisees and the other religious leaders would meet. That's, so you can see it really easily. We were there this summer. It's not far away, maybe a mile and a half. So it's a short distance. So that when it says they ran to tell the Pharisees, they, you know, they were in pretty good shape because they didn't have cars or electric, or electric golf carts. And off they went to the, to the temple to tell the Pharisees. Um, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They feel threatened. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. Don't go anywhere yet. Sanhedrin. This is 71 people who are in charge of running everything in the city of Jerusalem. Religious leaders. It's hard for you and me to understand it, but the religious leaders were in charge of both religious life but civic life. If you stole someone's cow, it was the Sanhedrin that handled it. They also handled all of the things that happened in their church, their temple, all the details about what you did and what, what you, how it conducted itself. They were in charge of everything. We don't understand it. Maybe in some of the Muslim countries where the clerics, you read this and you hear about it, the clerics seem to be running everything, the government, the civil government, as well as religious life. That's what it's like. There was no king of Israel at the time. So the Sanhedrin... Was, that was where everything happened. It was like a mixture of two or three parties, so they argued with each other all the time. No surprise there. And so on we go with the passage. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, if we let him go on like this, how presumptuous, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. One, one point, the Romans were in charge of all of it. 
And the Romans didn't care what the Jewish people did, but they would not tolerate a riot or any unrest. And if that happened, they would come in with full military force and squash them. So they have every reason to be worried because Jesus seemed to draw a crowd everywhere he went. And Jesus was again drawing a crowd. So this is the last slide I believe that we want to do. Yes. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. This is really important to watch what he says. You guys don't know anything. Now watch what he says. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. We're going to just sit on top of that for a minute. Caiaphas, he's the high priest, which means he is the leader of all of these leaders. He is running the country. But what you need to understand is this. He is, he's way more like a mafia person than he is a priest. And I'm not being trying to be funny. He was running a religious mafia because people come to town in order to make sacrifices. He'd charge them 10 times what it was to buy the one from him. It was too far to carry your goat from Galilee and you'd have to buy a goat when you got there or a dove or whatever it was. It was, he was terrible and he was rich. And Caiaphas had a deal going with Pilate, who's the bad guy we talk about next week, but just a pre precursor to him. Pilate was not anything to do with Jewish religion, but Pilate would get paid by Caiaphas in order to keep his mouth shut. And Caiaphas did whatever he wanted. He was a bad, bad dude. He lived north of the temple in Jerusalem where the wealthy people lived. He had a big house. Most people would just work six days a week and they could pay their bills and eat their food, but that's about all they could do. He was ripping them off turned the temple into a place when you wonder about why did Jesus throw tables over in the temple? It's because Caiaphas and his mafia were ripping them off and didn't care. Here's another thing. He was threatened by Jesus because I promise you, no one went to hear Caiaphas give a sermon. Zero. The reason people came to where Caiaphas was was because it was their obligation and their religious duty to have these festivals on an annual basis, two or three or four or five different ones. So there'd be people in town. They didn't like him at all. Jesus drew crowds because he loved people. And he said things that were powerful. He said things that were transformational. And Caiaphas saw it and was profoundly threatened. Notice the line in there then the whole nation perish. Caiaphas is concerned that this rabble following this peasant preacher from way north is going to disrupt things so that the Romans come in and crash us. Not only do I lose all my power, I lose my cash flow. I'm telling you, bad dude, bad dude. Now here's something funny. And I, 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 the Hebrew language is a part of another Semitic language called Aramaic. And so in Aramaic, there are two different word plays that are puns. Aramaic is the language that every ordinary regular Jewish person spoke in the, in the Eastern Mediterranean in the first century. They didn't speak Hebrew. They spoke Aramaic. They're related. Semitic is the word you would call them, their background. In Aramaic, the root of Caiaphas' name means two things, monkey and money basket. Now, you're laughing. I told Rachel this, by the way. She's back there on the other side of the building telling her kids. She said, they're going to love this. And I want you to love it too because they would, people would keep their distance because he was dangerous, but they taunted him and made fun of him. It was pejorative. It was meant to be. They, they say his name is, is to make fun of him, call him a rich monkey. They so much loathed him. 
Here's another thing that's really interesting about that. The zealots were the people. Judas was called, Judas Iscariot, or he was called a zealot. The zealots were a political band that wanted Jesus to rise up militarily and take out the Romans. Well, here's the zealots pecking order, right? The first box they wanted to check is, let's get rid of the Romans. You know who they wanted to get rid of next? The high priests and all the chief priests. They were on their list. So the zealots never, they tried and they didn't succeed in about 70 AD to take the Romans out. They got crushed. So they never got a chance to take out the, the priests. He was loathed, was Caiaphas. You know what I want you to think about? Resisting the God that we say we trust. You know what Caiaphas, Caiaphas default was? My private nation. That's who he was. Mine. The whole country. But at least the party could get his hands on right there. Jerusalem and surrounding area. That's who Caiaphas was about. That's what, that's what Caiaphas was all about. I'll fix this, he says. Look at the irony of that last line. You, do, you don't realize that it's better for one man to die for the people than the whole nation to perish. Oh, He's so wrong, and yet he's so right. The one man is going to die, not just for that nation, but for all nations. And Caiaphas has no idea. He's uttering the words of the gospel when he says this. But that's what John's hearers, when the gospel of John landed in people's hands so they could hear it read, oh, you better believe they connected those dots. They saw the Messiah Jesus suffer and die and then come back to life again and saving the planet and out of the mouth of this corrupt lost person comes this prophetic word Peter he was sucked into this thing too I just wanted to show you an example of someone who we'll say it this way my default and I would suggest resisting God by not trusting God might be your default. Another way of saying this that a man said Thursday morning in our study group, he said, it's about my narrative. I want it to be about my narrative. Well, Peter wanted it to be about his narrative. Look at this. You may remember this. Peter wants to impose his narrative on Jesus in this episode. This comes in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 31, I mean, chapter 8, just a couple of lines here. Mark, chapter 8, 31, 32, 33. Watch Peter try to say to Jesus, no, I, that's not the way I want it to go. I want it to go differently. Be Jesus begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. Peter is cringing. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again and watch Jesus respond to him. He spoke plainly about this, Jesus did, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned, he sees his disciples. He rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter's thinking about the way that Peter sees it. Peter has imposed his agenda, his narrative, his understanding onto Jesus. And when Jesus says, I'm going to die so I can live again, Peter says, I can't take it. Peter says, you can't do it that way. And Jesus says, oh, yes, I am. Caiaphas, merely human concerns, default to self, my 
private nation is how I think we could entitle Caiaphas' posture towards God and towards life and towards all those people and towards his resources and towards his house and towards the city of Jerusalem. Here's the bad news, kids. You ready? We all got a little Caiaphas in us. Let's look at a list. I just threw up a few things here. This is not meant to be exhaustive. It's just prompting. If this prompts you to be able to release and surrender and give up the, the fantasy of control, if this prompts you to trust Jesus Christ who is sufficient, if this is helpful, great. You'll have your own things that you can add to the list. But look at these that, we, that I wrote down. Maybe I'm holding on to a relationship that just doesn't honor God. It dishonors God. Maybe it's some kind of lifestyle that prevents me from living with generosity and my, with my time and my talents and my treasure and all of it. Maybe it's a habit or even an addiction that I know that God wants me to give up. But I just won't do it. I refuse. Maybe it's a grudge against someone who's hurt us. That's a, that's a hard one. We, we tend to want to carry resentment around. That's tough for all of us. Maybe it's a struggle with pride and then the attachment of that to some power. Maybe that's what's going on with. Again, this, it sounds heavy, and it is, because the human condition, our brokenness is a heavy thing. It's a complex thing. It can be tragic. But what we want to do is get used to the idea of living loved because we are taken by Jesus Christ just as we are, not to condemn us, but to rescue us. And that's the unbelievable news of Easter. But we want to make sure we understand why we had to have a bad Friday. And we want to know that we, have, we want to be honest. We want to be transparent with God. I thought I would give you just one brief personal example. You ready? Yesterday, this very yesterday, today is Sunday, the 3rd of March in the year of our Lord, 2024. Yesterday, the 2nd of March in the year of 2024, just yesterday. I haven't had a chance to do this yet today because it's just nine something in the morning. Yesterday, I was a complete and total jerk to my wife. And you can laugh at me. You go ahead. Here's what I, I'm not gonna tell you what we were arguing about and what I did and anything else, but I'll put it this way. After a while, I had a conversation with myself and I was thinking, well, I'm right. And then I slowly, all of these excuses and all this stuff that I thought made it okay for me to say what I said and treat her the way I treated her, all of them began to collapse. And you know what I had to do? I finally went to her and I said, I'm sorry. And I had to say it two or three times because I'd really kind of hurt her feelings. (laughs) And then with colorful language that might be like describing the south end of a northbound horse, I got her to laugh. I said, this is how I've been acting. And she laughed. I, you know, it just default. I thought I was just a jerk. I was a plain jerk. Was I not a plain jerk? Go ahead, nod enthusiastically. <laughs> Tell, come on, back me up. She, she's so worried about saying something bad about me, she won't nod her head with enthusiasm right now. But trust me, yesterday she was clear that I was a jerk. And you know, here's what I wanted you to know. When you're a jerk, I, don't, feel, don't feel special. <laughs> and it's just about the default that we are. The last thing I wanted to do was hurt my wife, but I did. And then I said I was sorry after I fought with myself about admitting that I was a whatever, whatever. And then I said I'm sorry, and then I called myself a whatever, whatever. And she laughed. You're going through it too. We all are. But the default really is about connecting with Jesus. I resist you, God. 
in so many different ways. And I don't want to resist you. And I'm sorry I resist you. I want you. And it pleases God's heart when we say to God, I want you. And even if you can't say, I want you, if you can say, I want to want you, God will, God will honor that. And he's not here to condemn us. He's here to brush us off, clean us up, pick us back up, pat us on the head and keep us moving. Filled with his goodness. And I have this way of sort of finishing what I wanted to say this morning. What about your private nation? It's coming up on the wall this way. What have you put in the place of God in your life? The good news is right here. Whatever it is that you put in the place of God in your life, oh, my friends, we, we're cheating on Easter Sunday morning. This is a resurrection feast. What's going on here is the certainty, the guarantee that you and I are loved just the way we are. In fact, you will hear said when you come forward to take the Lord's Supper, you'll hear the body of Christ broken for your salvation. You'll hear the cup of Christ, the gift of new life. Reminding you a couple of things. Um, one is, the, this is grape juice, not wine. Two, it, this is not a Presbyterian table. This is not a denominational table. This is just a table for people that are willing to say, I resist you, God, but I want to trust you. And you're just going to get up out of your chair and come forward. And it's an act of trusting in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what's happening here. So I'll remind you of some words that Jesus said to his disciples at the last meal he had with them, his leadership team. Uh, one last thing, there are gluten-free wafers here if you were a gluten-free person. Jesus took bread. He was there with his leadership team, his senior leaders. We call them the disciples. They, they, they end up being the apostles. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body. It's going to be broken for you. It is the forgiveness of your sins. And after the meal, he took a cup and he said, this cup is my blood, which will be shed for you so that you can have new life. Resurrection people, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, what we're doing is we're announcing to God, God, I resist you, but I want you. When you get out of the chair this morning and ushers are going to help you um, know when to get up and, I've, I've, and I'm going to ask the, the two elders that are coming to serve with Kathy and me and I'm not looking at my notes I think Elizabeth and and Danielle who? Oh, Elizabeth and Monica? No Andrews, Dane Andrews I'm sorry I told you I was disheveled Elizabeth and, da and Dane Andrews are coming up Monica I think you were supposed to be here at 1030 but I hate to embarrass you publicly <laughs> 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 she's got to stay twice now <laughs> I'm sorry for doing that couldn't help myself friends these are God's gift these represent the death and resurrection of Jesus because of these we have new life so let me ask the, the, the ushers to get in place if you're ready to be able to dismiss people and then we will Enjoy the goodness of the Lord's resurrection through this supper.